Welcome on into the 2 3 podcast. I'm Cam. That's Zach. Episode 15, Duck Fook Edition. It's been a minute. We got a few things to talk about. We got a Florida State L, a Clemson W. Cam, as always, how are we feeling? You know, going into a pretty big matchup, Zach, the biggest matchup of the year, one would say, against a team that shall be mentioned later. Feeling okay, feeling a little confused as to the identity of this team, what this team is, uh, how convincing our wins are, and how scary our losses are. But all things considered, feeling pretty good, Zach. Yeah, it's definitely a, a difficult thing to navigate. We're back at nine and nine, and like you said, it's like our losses are our losses bad. Are we feeling good? It, it's it's a tough thing to navigate, but overall, like you said, we're gonna tease it one more time. Huge matchup incoming that I I'm just hyped for. I think it's probably it's been on everybody's mind since the, the beginning of the season. All right, you go into this matchup. And you look at the date, where it's going to be. Obviously, you get two matchups this year against this team. And you think to yourself, all right, these are the big ones. These are the ones I'm looking forward to. If you're an upperclassman, this is what you are probably dreaming of. But especially at this point in the year when you need a win, a huge win, the most out of you know the whole year. like we, we're, we're dying for a, a big win at this point um, to go into this. Duke matchup. Everybody's got circled. They sure do. But before that, we're coming off a nice W against Clemson. How are we feeling about that dub? Feeling pretty good, all things considered. We saw some pretty solid performances from the guys. Uh, There was one glaring issue that I think that we do need to talk about a little bit further down the line. But all things considered, I mean, it, it was a performance that you kind of expected not to say that Clemson is a terrible team or anything like that but they're definitely a team kind of like Pittsburgh that you just more or less expect the win out of and I don't know about you but like watching that game I was never really that concerned that we were really going to you know get into anything too too close it was a pretty solid performance from the team just overall yeah I mean I think historically we usually like if I remember correctly we usually like split with Clemson when we have them two times in one year. So it's good to get a dub, a 13-point dub against Clemson. The boys played good enough, obviously good enough to win. But he was going good, and you love to see that. Yes, you do. And, you know, to to kind of, you know, put things into perspective, I mean, these are games that, again, the team needs that I think that, you know, there was no question about like consistency issues too much with Buddy, but it's just nice to see him kind of get into the right track and get, you know, the ball in his hands. He ended up coming away with 25 in this one. So always good to see that. And to see Joe kind of coming away with 23 as well is, is always a great thing. I think that the thing overall, though, that I'm most concerned about and trying not to be, you know, Debbie Downer or anything like that, but it still continues to be like a a pretty bad issue is Jesse's foul trouble. And it was such an odd way to foul out too. Yeah, 
honestly, we, we said this off air when we were talking before the podcast, but it, it felt like like a joke. It was just like he, he was tired. He, he I don't know what it was because he had like two or three fouls late in the game. The next thing you know, a minute later, he was fouled out of the game entirely. <laughs> and So I, I don't know how it happened. I honestly don't. And I remember like <laughs> after the game, like right after the game, I didn't really realized that he fouled out and then I text you and I was like did Jesse foul out and you're like yeah he got like three fouls in like two minutes it seemed like it just was like all it like in in just a short time frame that he ended up getting like three fouls on him yeah and this is a huge problem obviously in this game you know we didn't need him that last two minutes of the game so it is what it is in this situation but overall, he's fouled out six out of the last seven games. Is that right? That is right. Yeah. And I don't think that he has he has one game under his belt in an ACC contest that he hasn't fouled out in. Every other game he's fouled out in. So I don't know if it's like a matchup that's not in his favor with ACC competition just being a little bit better than it is like earlier in the year. Or if he's trying too hard, or if he's just making silly mistakes, or if it's just a combination of all three. But it's something that we've brought up over the past couple of podcasts, and it's still something that we like continue to monitor because it's like, why? Like, why commit these fouls when you don't need to? It's such a terrible habit to get into, Zach. Yeah, it really is, and it, it's hard to break it down exactly what what the cause of this is. I mean, like you said, it's probably a culmination of a lot of things. I mean, I think a big thing too is, I mean, this this especially ACC play, but even back in like the Lannis trip where he really went off and be really took ownership in the center position because before then he was kind of splitting minutes with Frank. But the further we go on, it kind of seems like less and less minutes from Frank and, and less. Jesse does follow out. Yeah. And, you know, you, you kind of mention like Frank, it's a little odd to not see him get too many minutes, but it is really nice to see our boy Barama out there putting in the minutes. He still looks a little bit rusty out there, but it is nice to finally see him like out there and being active and like just being a part of the team again. It feels like so long since we've actually seen him like get consistent reps. Yeah, he did look a little bit rusty, but he didn't look rusty on his little post move to get him his, his one bucket. His first bucket in like a year and a half, two years, a long time. So it was great to see that going. That is true. It is nice to see him finally like be the guy again. And I don't know, like, what do you think that the ceiling is for Barama? Do you think that he could potentially get to like maybe where he was? Or do you think that those days are kind of long gone at this point? It's really hard to say. I know Jim mentioned in his presser that he's hoping he had a good week of practice and he's hoping to get more, more him and, and give him more opportunity. And it seems like there's a potential there. I really don't know. It seems like a very up in the air situation. And I guess we'll have to wait until on that. I would love to see a little bit more. It'd be kind of a fun idea to play with Frank Brahma and Jesse have like, you know, three headed monster out there. Obviously, Jesse getting the majority of those minutes because he's a monster in himself. But it's a good look, a good option we have. And obviously, his leadership is also great. And one thing on his leadership, a lot of times in timeouts and stuff, I'll notice him go over to Jesse or Frank 
and just give them give them some advice as a, a veteran on the team, which is awesome to see as well. Well, I was going to ask that. Like, do you like what do you think that you could see his role on the team being? Do you think that there could be a lineup out there where both Jesse and Barama are out there go like a real big lineup, or do you think it's more or less like he goes in when Jesse needs a rest and when Frank isn't playing well, or maybe he's playing over Frank at like the two role or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I could see a scenario. I mean, I don't know. I guess Jim's being become a little bit of a chemist as of late, but <laughs> yeah. maybe you could see a little bit of a funky, huge lineup. I don't know why we would ever, even like Florida State, which is like the biggest team in the country, we put in our like three-guard lineup, and because of that, Florida State has to put in smaller guys. So we, we don't, I think we're more more likely to go smaller than bigger, but nonetheless, I'd love to see Brahma get some minutes and hopefully, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough gamble with him, but hopefully we'll see a little bit more from him. Do you like Jim, the chemist putting out all those different lineups out there? Like there've been some pretty unorthodox moves. I think like putting John bowl in, in the Pittsburgh game, obviously the Florida state game was just kind of the typical seven rotation with, Frank and Samir coming off the bench, but to see like these new guys kind of come in a little different, a little funky. I kind of like it from Jim. I like it too. I mean, I think the the one I like the most is Samir. Samir has made such a huge difference in the way his play style. I and mean, we've been talking highly of the way he moves the ball and brings the ball up the court the whole year. And he's really proven that he can be that guy, be that ball handler, be that quarterback, whatever you want to call it. Be that point guard that we sometimes desperately need when we have pressure and Joe Gerard struggles with that. So it's been great to see Samir out there. And he's been finishing some buckets too, so love to see that too. There have been a couple of lineups where I've seen Samir and Joe and I think Buddy in there as well where he yep. kind of plays like more or less in Jimmy's role on the wing, on the defensive side. <laughs> and then you got Samir... And Joe up top. Samir, whenever Samir is in, he's always playing in that like one, one, three, the the zone variation, the two, three variation. And I think it might be due to like the lack of size, maybe between him and Joe or him and Buddy or whatever. Maybe it's because Samir is such a great defender that Jim just kind of feels comfortable with just having him up at the top. But uh I've really enjoyed having you know, the shooters in there and also Samir to bring the ball up, try to get things moving a little bit. Unfortunately, that leads to a little bit of a lack in size, but I don't think that that's necessarily been an issue this year. And I don't know if you've seen that too or not, but like to see the variation and see in what way Samir is being used in like a role that I don't think that you or I really expected him to kind of be in. Yeah, I, I mean, as far as size problem, we haven't seen that. Even Florida State, like I mentioned, they're a huge team. But because of the small guard lineup, you have to put smaller guards or forwards in there that can that can guard a guard. Otherwise, you're going to have Samir breaking ankles out there and getting to the rim. But he, I mean, he does that against anyone. So I guess, you know, try your best. But you, you they got to compensate for a smaller lineup with a smaller d- defense themselves. So I don't think, in, unless you have a really gifted huge guard or someone that can guard uh, like a center that can guard a guard I think I'm not too worried about the small lineup and it's been proven to be really successful 
It has. And with Samir, like you're seeing a little bit more confidence in his game style where he's like taking, like he's driving in, he's taking a few shots. I don't know if he's trying to become better as a shooter. Again, he's not really known to be a shooter, but it's nice to see him be aggressive and actually like take his own chances at one, at some point you've got to figure like stop being so unselfish and be a little bit selfish because he's so great at like driving the ball in and trying to like make opportunities themselves. He was doing that in the beginning of the year, but none of his like chances were falling. So it's nice to see them finally like going in for once. Yeah, it really is. And one thing I want to fall back to real quick. I know you mentioned his great defense, but I don't. I think it was Florida State. I don't know if you recall this, but and he's done this in another game too. But whenever there's like a breakaway, he's the last defender. He always manages to stop it somehow. Do you do you recall this? I do. Yeah, he. I don't know if he's just if it's his movement or if it's like he's just athletic. His athleticism, yeah, his athleticism and like understanding of where he can stop the pressure. If that makes sense, because if you're like on a fast break, you can he can pretty well stop it. Mm-hmm. I would I would honestly say that like he might be the best defensive player on the team, with the exception maybe of Jesse because he just blocks so many shots. But between him and Jesse, I think Samir is really like they're both showing themselves to be like probably our. our best defenders on the team yeah I think so he's just so bouncing we've talked about this before but I just love his movement his activity it's just so great to see I mean no knock against Joe or Buddy but just in comparison it's in a way like night and day hate to say it but just Samir's athleticism and his just bounce his energy is just it's like electric it is electric so awesome to see and I don't like you said, no hate to to Joe whatsoever. We had mentioned we were kind of talking about like the stats, just kind of previewing the stats, what really stood out to us before we really hit record on here. And one stat that really stood out to us is Joe's three percentage. Like he's shooting 45, almost 46 percent on the year, which if you told me in the beginning of the year that he was going to be shooting 46 percent on the year. I would have called you crazy because to be honest with you, like going into this year, a lot of expectations were on Joe and a lot of questions were on Joe and concerns as to if he can be the starting point guard on Syracuse. And I think that he is really showing that he is a valuable scorer on the team. I'm not saying that he's the best pure point guard on the team because I don't think that that's true and I think that you probably agree with me Zach that like Samir's probably that guy but as far as shooting is concerned he's he's been fantastic this year he really has I mean the only knock and not to not I mean obviously he's shooting great but the only knock is he's not very consistent there's games where he has like a two-game slump and doesn't shoot which which happens but it's it just keeps happening which I get again it happens but he is struggling with consistency is the only thing. And he had a great game against Clemson, 23 points. He was six, for, no, I'm sorry, he was four for five uh, from three. But again, like you said, the consistency issue, Florida State game, only 11 points, one for four from three. 
he didn't have that great of a game. And then Pittsburgh, he was pretty quiet overall, only eight points. So a, a lot of consistency issues. And I think that that's probably why we're seeing Samir so much is because trying to get a different you know dimension in that offense and trying to maybe get Joe some more looks, maybe try to you know put him at the two. Maybe he can get more shots that way. I'm not really sure, but it feels like uh, Jim is trying his best with what he's got. And maybe that's not enough for some fans, but I I get where he's, what he's trying to do, Zach, like where he's trying to just create the most opportunity for his guys out there. Yeah, the thing I love most about the three-guard lineup is it allows Samir to get in based on four players play. So if Buddy, Joe, Jimmy, or Cole are not playing well or for whatever reason need need a break or whatever, rather than just uh rather than just Buddy or Joe, if just being like a, a normal guard swap. I like that it's four people. It's four people because of the rotation how Buddy goes to to the board. I, I think that's just like the opportunity for Samir to get in the game based on the three guard lineup is so much greater. And I just, I just love the minutes I've been seeing, we've been seeing out of Samir. And I mean, obviously when Joe's scoring 23 points, we need him in the game. So we can't sub him, sub him out for Samir, but we can sub out a struggle in Cole Swider. So I think that's just awesome. And yeah. It's definitely not something that I thought that Jim was going to be doing in the beginning of the year. And I think it kind of goes back to like this year has definitely not been what Q's fans have really expected out of this team. I think that this team in 2021-2022, they're either going to be one of the biggest heartbreaks in Syracuse basketball history, or they're going to be one of like the most exciting, fun teams ever in Syracuse history. And I don't think that there's really going to be any sort of in-between. Either this team is going to go into this year with really high expectations and not fulfill them. Obviously they're at 500 right now, or they make the biggest turnaround that I think I've ever seen in Syracuse basketball history. And I don't know how you stop that momentum heading into tournament time, but Zach, man, I'm, I'm along for the ride heading into this Duke game. I am along for the ride. Yeah. I mean, we're at a very interesting crossroads here sitting at nine and nine, like you mentioned. And it's, it's, we're kind of at a pivotal, like obviously not make a break at all. Duke is a great opponent, number six in the country as we record. And it's just a big opportunity to put a huge, huge potential win on, on your resume. And it could really just transform the way people look at this team and it could just it could just be huge. It could make a huge impact. I do want to mention something that I think a lot of uh, people were talking about on social media before we really dive into uh, previewing Duke and trying to break down like the Duke matchup and everything. Um, we had kind of mentioned this a little bit, Zach, on our last episode of just how messy the ACC is right now. Florida State beat Duke the night that we beat Clemson and like I, I I think that people kind of sort of gave Duke the ACC title from the beginning of the year and then obviously underneath Duke is just a crapshoot of Miami of uh, Florida State 
you know, just every team that's at 500 in conference play or maybe one win over 500 in conference play. And I think that that provides so much opportunity for us in the ACC. And I don't think that people are really understanding that. But also, Zach, you had made this argument, uh, I think it was a couple days ago when we were talking, just maybe people aren't necessarily like giving the ACC the respect it they they deserve. Yeah, I mean, now two teams, Miami and Florida State, have beaten Duke. They were... Miami beat them. What were they? Number two. Number were they number one? Number two? So, something insane. And now Florida State beating number six. So it, it really begs the question: Is 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 it is another ACC team gonna get in the top twenty-five? Because right now the only team the last several weeks has just been the lone Duke in the top ten. I'm not really sure. I mean, you've got. I guess you could make an argument that Miami should be up in the top 25, but then you could also make the argument that like Florida State beat them, so maybe Florida State should be in the top 25 because they also beat Duke. But I'm not really sure because like maybe Florida State's like out of conference resume isn't good, but it just kind of begs the question like it, the ACC as a whole right now is kind of reminding me of like the Pac-12 of a couple years ago where only like three or four teams ended up making it into March Madness and like nobody was respecting the Pac-12 at all for like the majority of the year. But I think that the ACC as a whole is better than that Pac-12. Like watching their games, they were awful back then. So it's like only one team is in the top 25 that is in the ACC. And it's like, why is that? It can't be because the ACC is bad, because I don't think that they necessarily are. I think that they're pretty good this year. Yeah, because based on right now, either Duke has to drop really, really far down in the top 25. I think they're still a top 25 team, obviously. So it's either, they people either have to look at Duke and be like, all right, Duke is worse team than we thought because they have now lost to two ACC opponents. Or you have to look at those two ACC opponents that beat Duke. You're like, oh, Maybe these guys are better than we thought. So we'll see come Monday who how, how they look at this. I mean, I mean Duke's going to be walking into uh, the, the new AP poll with, with two two losses once Keeps beats them. That's so true. That is It's going to be an interesting wrinkle for uh, the, all the, the voting members. That is true. And, I mean, look, it is what it is, all right? We have to, we have to just talk facts here, all right? By the way, Duke was uh, number two in the nation when they lost to Miami. So, you know, they're, they they put on a great resume. I'm not really sure if they're going to make it or not. I'm not on the committee. I wish I was because I put Syracuse up there all the time. But um, look, it's it, I feel like the ACC is not getting the credit that they deserve. And maybe they will come the next top 25. But looking ahead, Zach, Saturday against Duke, one of the biggest games of the year. What facet of the game are you thinking that we need to like be on top of our game with offensively, defensively? Like, what are you thinking that we need to do in order to beat Duke? I think we need to show our offensive consistency with we need we need Buddy playing well. We need Joe playing well again if he's going to continue to play well from Clemson. 
I mean, we just need all of our guys to play well, obviously. But we just need we need two or three guys at the top scoring, like you know, fifteen plus minimum. And Buddy needs to get like you know a twenty five piece, I would say. And then defensively, obviously, we've struggled all year. And there's like, I hate to say, it, but there's like real no hope to like have a great, great, great overall defensive game at this current point in time. But I do think we can. There's there's times there's periods when we can take a good opportunity and have good good defensive spots. So that's what we got to hope for, and that's what we got to shoot for. And I think if we do those two things. I think we'll we'll be in it. We asked a couple of you on Instagram and Twitter, um, you know, just like what you guys thought of, you know, what should we do or what should Cuse do heading into the Duke game. To, to get a win and that was more or less yeah the general consensus is like force turnovers and um you know try to <laughs> make as many threes as we can which I kind of agree with because we were looking at the trends Zach and I were and we noticed a trend that um there were quite a few turnovers in the Miami loss that Duke had and then the Florida State loss that they had as well so I think we have to do what we can defensively because I agree with you, Zach. There's really no way that we're going to have a perfect defensive game and come out with a win because I just don't think that we're... <laughs> our perfect game defensively still probably won't be enough, but I still think that if we do enough and make our shots, I think that we have a pretty darn good chance at beating the number six team in the nation. Yeah, Duke is not invincible. They're a great team, good team, absolutely. I got to give them the credit and respect that they deserve. But they're not invincible. Like, it's not like we have to put together the most perfect game in history of basketball to beat them. We have to play good. We have to play great. But it's it's a a little bit difficult to navigate here, but it's, it's not like we have to be perfect 100%. Like, I, I, I'm like, obviously they're a good team, but I'm not like scared of them, if that makes sense. I'm not scared of them either. And I think that the reason why is because like you said, they're, they're not invincible. I mean, Miami beat them, Florida State beat them. Uh, they lost earlier in the year to an out of conference opponent. And I don't remember who it was, but um, they they always show that they can lose. Like we've beaten them before when they're their number one team in the nation. Like any, any team can lose in the ACC. It's okay. Like they're, we can beat them. It's just a matter of like, how do we piece it together? And have we seen a perfect game from this team yet? And I don't think that we have. And the reason why I'm optimistic for this game, Zach, is because I think that we're due for a perfect game. I think that this team is due for like a game where everything comes together and everything just works for them. Yeah, I mean, we're also due for some, you know, some luck too. Some calls going away, some like just just kind of some uncontrollables that we've not got the benefit in games prior in our very close ACC run here. Where some of those calls or some of those situations, you know, I think they got to be point, pointed towards Q's coming up here pretty soon, hopefully. So that's another thing to think about. 
I do appreciate Mark's comments, and I absolutely agree with him, Zach. The recipe for beating Duke is a Patty Casey double-double, all right? Patty Casey, our boy, needs the minutes that he so rightfully deserves, and I think that he should get them against Duke. If we have any chance in beating the Blue Devils, Zach, we need to start Patty Casey. Yeah, I mean, if you were to tell me without me watching the game and the one stat line you said, you, the first stat line was Patty Casey got a double-double. I'd be like, oh, all right, Q's one. Q's one. Enough, enough said. Enough <laughs> said. That's all we need. Are you, who are you looking to have the biggest game against Duke? Who do you think is the most due for one? I think... I mean, buddy, buddy, buddy's due, but I think who's really, really most due, just based on history, is our guy JG three. JG three unfortunately has never beat Duke in a Q's uniform, and he's hungry. We all know he's hungry. He's due to uh, show him, show him why he chose Syracuse. Didn't you say was it last year that he didn't have any points against Duke when they went up against them? Is that correct? I believe so, yeah, when I was looking it up earlier. So you're telling me that Joe might have a little bit of a grudge against Coach K and the Blue Devils? Maybe he really wants this one? I don't know, man. Cocky Joe is pretty dynamite, man. He is he's nothing to be messed with. Yeah, it is he did score zero a goose egg. Yeah, when we played Dick one time last year at Duke obviously came in and it was a very tough place to play in but like you said if you uh if you get if you get Joe going if he you know if he has a swagger going swagger Joe logo Joe that that's all the same thing and when you have those two together it's it's game over I am a little bit scared Zach because there is one more stat that I did dig up well I didn't dig it up it was it was right there in plain sight but it was it was something that I saw and it kind of troubled me a little bit and it's a question that I really wanted to ask you. All starting five, all of all the all of our guys that are starting five, obviously, Cole, Joe, Buddy, Jimmy, and Jesse, all average double digit points. If I told you in the beginning of the year that our starting five was going to average double digits. Would you tell like would you believe me if I also said that we're also at 500? Like that just doesn't seem right. It really doesn't. It's wild. I mean, I do know at the same time our bench is I mean, I think our bench is good, but in terms of scoring, we are literally dead last in the entire country. The entire country? 300 whatever it is we our bench doesn't make has the, le- the least amount of points is that that's true really yeah they said it they said it in the uh program the last the last game i believe or one of the last few games i must have missed that because i don't remember hearing about that but that's really sad man to hear that our bench well it's it kind of makes sense right it's not good. It's absolutely not good. But you've got a point guard coming in whose specialty is assists, and he doesn't normally score. And then you've got 
a center coming in who's still pretty young, who we didn't even think at the beginning of the year was even going to get any like minutes at all. We just heard that, hey, he's had a good couple of practices. And I was thinking, oh, he's going to get maybe like a couple of minutes here and there. But no, he's actually like he comes off the bench, actually does his thing. And then you've got Benny, who's a freshman, who's still trying to get used to like the program and everything. So it makes sense. But do you think with like a deeper bench or at least a bench that would have maybe a little bit more production on the scoreboard that we might have like an extra win or two? I mean, potentially, I mean, no matter which way you look at it, you could boil it down to, oh, if we we play better defense, obviously that's an easy way to get a win too. Or, hey, maybe if guys on our bench had more offensive additions, that could win us a game. So it's it's hard to say, it's hard to pinpoint one thing, maybe. But, I mean, it, it is tough that, that, that we're that low. We're literally dead last. With that's, points off the bench. That's really sad. That's really, really sad. I don't like to I don't like that stat. I don't like to hear that we're dead last in anything. That's not good, Zach. I don't like that. That's not good. But um heading into the Duke matchup on Saturday, one player in the stat category really kind of sticks out to me, and that's uh Paulo Banchero. He is the freshman. He averages eighteen point one a game, the forward. I think that he might try to attack those wings. Obviously, Coach K knows how to play the the zone defense probably just as good as, as any coach out there. So I think, Zach, the big emphasis on this, on the defensive side of things, is going to be how the wings perform, how Jesse, or I'm sorry, how Jimmy and um, Cole perform on those wings there. You know, they might be attacked quite a bit and the zone's going to be attacked quite a bit. But I think that if they are able to hold their own, we should be looking pretty good on the defensive side of things. Yeah, Colin and Jimmy are under a lot of pressure for a, quite a good matchup there. So they definitely have to bring their A game in. They've kind of struggled here and there throughout the year, getting to their spots, making the right rotations. So hopefully they're up for the task. But I mean, I think... I mean, everyone's hyped. Everyone's going to try their best. It's not a question of that. It's just, you know, ultimately just getting beat on plays here and there. So hopefully they can get it done Saturday, though. Yeah, hopefully this kid is is something special. He's shooting uh, uh, 50% from the field. He's he's at like seven and a half rebounds a game. He is very, very good. Um, kind of looking at their, their players, they shoot really well. They're averaging like 83 a game or something like that with 38 rebounds a game. So it's not a matter of like, you know, they're, they're a great team, but they do have flaws. Like we had mentioned, like their turnovers, um, were pretty bad. I don't, I think there was 19 turnovers against Miami and then 15, maybe 16 against Florida state. But I think that Samir, like we keep mentioning him this episode. This is definitely the episode of Samir, but like he has quite a few steals. Maybe he can force something there. Maybe Joe can, you know, pick their pockets a little bit, but our guard position, like I think that the big emphasis as well is going to be on them and like how they perform trying to, to force as many turnovers as possible. Yeah. Another, I mean, we mentioned this earlier, but they are coming off a loss. And 
do you think that's a good thing or bad thing? Like one side, you could be like, you know, they're fired up. They just lost. They're ready to come in. They're at home. They're just going to give it their all or, you know, they lost. So things are kind of down in the dumps. How are you feeling about that? Well, I think that they, you know, they're Duke. Like they're going to come back like firing all cylinders. They're going to be playing Cameron. And I, I know for a fact, because I've talked to them that like Duke fans hate the hate cues. Like they absolutely hate cues. Like, um, I, I, they're going to be fired up either way, but also I think that they, it, it's great film for us because they've shown that they have holes in their, in their game style. They have holes in their offense. They have holes in like their defense and whatever. So there's areas that we can capitalize on, but it's just a matter of how quickly we can capitalize on them and how well we come out in the second half sack. What would our record be if we were just playing in the first half and that was it? We would probably be well over 500 at like the top of the ACC right now. We'd be number one in the country. It'd be, it'd be nuts, dude. Like, so it's imagine like we need to be able to hold that momentum and actually hold like our drive. And I don't know what game plan we have going in, but hopefully it has in there. Please come out strong in the second half. Yeah, I think that's the most important part. Obviously, games are one in the second half, and we've struggled to close out games. All of our ACC games are decided have been decided across all of our losses, our four losses, like ballpark 15, 20 points, like not many points. We're losing games by like two to five points, which is this wild. So we really need to work on a closeout and finish it in the second half. I am excited for Duke. I really, I wanted a dub at Duke probably like right now more than I've probably ever wanted a dub at Duke. You always want a dub at Duke, but like this team so desperately needs one. So that game on Saturday at noon on ESPN, I expect Cameron Indoor to be wild. And you know what, Zach? I want it to be wild because I feel like we play pretty well in wild environments. Bring it on. These next few nights going to hit different. Every step you take is going to feel a little different because we know it's coming. Duck Fook, baby. Duck Fook, all right? That's going to do it for us here at the 2-3. Next time we talk to you, I believe, Zach, that we're going to be talking about a, a Duke dub, all right? I think that... We need to speak now, it, baby. We're going to need to speak it into existence, but hey, that's going to do it for us. Duck Fook. We'll see you later. Hey, thanks for listening. Let's go Cuse.